Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello, friends, and welcome to uh, take two of uh, this podcast. Uh, I'm joined by Kevin Power from Boucher Banner. Kevin and I Hi, have folks. known each other from eight, seven years ago now. We were talking on, uh, I mean, we, I could try to force this and make it sound organic like it was the first time, Kev. It's just, yeah, let's be honest with the people. Yeah, it just seems disingenuous, so yeah. we're not going to do that. Um, long story short, Kevin and I have known each other a long time. And yes. Because we've known each other a long time, we're going to slog through the fact that we have to talk about a four-game losing streak for the Rangers. <laughs> so, yes, we are. Uh, yeah. We'll start, I guess, with what happened against the Devils um, in that game. It sh- I mean, it should be mentioned. I think the reason that loss stung as much as it did is because I believe the Devils were winless before that game. And Yes, they were. Yeah. Yeah, which didn't help. The Rangers also went 0-6 for 6 in the power play. That didn't help. And uh, Georgiev well, got left out to dry, and that didn't help. I think that a lot of it is also the hype around it. You know, they, everyone was talking. You know, it's 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 Hughes, Kako, one, and how the, this was the start of the new Rangers Devils rivalry, and then it kind of farted out that way. Yeah, it's a good it's a good way to put it. And they did. They definitely played like it was a, a like a farting out situation. I think this was their first game after that five game break after Edmonton, uh, the, you know, the game that Shane and I broke down really because that's all we had to talk about last week. Yeah. Uh, this week we have more to talk about it, but it's just more uh, losing hockey and the overwhelming so, trend right now for this team is they tend to get their butts kicked in the shot share and. Uh, the amount of defensive lapses that drove many Rangers fans and analysts crazy last season all seem to be there. And what is really uh, very interesting to me is this: uh, the way that David Quinn has kind of decided to distribute the ice time. Specifically, uh, with this Devils game, you can look at, you know, you only need to look at the box score to appreciate the fact that Jacob Truba played 27 minutes and 14 seconds in a game that didn't go to overtime. And the one that really stands out to me as crazy as that number is, is Mika Zibanejad playing 25 and a half minutes. And maybe you could say, oh, you know what, Kev? They didn't play for five days, so you can roll those guys. But after the game against the Devils, the Rangers had a game the very next night against Washington. So it seemed like a strange tactic. Yeah, I think that it's a matter of trust. Um, I think that David Quinn has this warped sense of here are the few guys that I can trust. Uh, you know, Mika's a, it's Mika Panarin, and then a whole lot of question marks. Um, yeah, you know, long forwards. Yeah. Yeah, and on defense, it's I mean, aside from Truba, Adam Fox has looked competent i mean i i think i think i think he's looked very good but uh, that's a that's a low bar to clear for the defense um the, the ice time i don't know this whole start to the season has been very weird i think that the 
two weeks off between you know between an actual schedule starting is really screwing with people's minds you know they've only played six games and it feels like they there's been like a month and a half between game three and game six um and i think that that's given a lot of people both in the in the organization and online a chance to let things percolate let things marinate and overthink what what they're looking at and and the results on the ice and i think it's led to some very rash and maybe very poor decisions from both sides of the equation yeah it has been surprising to me that we're we're starting to see a vocal minority of of people uh, calling for david quinn's job um i understand where that comes from it's you know not all the kids are in the lineup they're not all getting ice time and you know, when the team looks as bad, you know, as it has, it's, you know, I think it's difficult for fans to digest. But, you know, before the season began, Joe and I talked a lot about, you know, setting realistic expectations for this team. And really, the only thing that's happened since the beginning of the season is this team lost Vlad Nemestikov, who was a roster player, for essentially nothing. Uh, you know, an AHL-level defenseman and a late draft pick. Or I should say, you know, a fourth-round pick, I think it was. So let's say a mid-round pick. You know, that is that is really the only difference from a team that I, like, was strongly saying that this was not going to be a playoff team. And you look at this team, it doesn't have a second-line center right now, and it doesn't have a cohesive kind of competent defense. It doesn't have, you know, a bottom six that you can trust. And it seems like, you know... There are guys, there is a way to kind of craft what would be a competent third and fourth line, but all the offense is coming from one place and everyone knows it. And you have, you know, a guy like Leah Anderson, who's up here with the big club, which is a good story. The bad story, of course, is that his ice time has been something of a joke and a topic of controversy thus far. And you look at the direction this team is going, and it's easy to see why fans would get frustrated, Kev. But I don't know. It's I mean, we're only just starting with the Devils here. But, I mean, we could transition to the fact that, you know, after the Rangers lost to the Devils, I think they got, you know, frankly, they got their asses handed to them by the Capitals. And then they lost to the Canucks, who are a bad hockey team. Um, they're a team that really struggles to generate offense and scoring chances and the Rangers lost to them and they allowed a shorthanded goal and the Brock Besser goal which was a f- like a fanned pass by Brendan Smith that became like a Laurel and Hardy sketch uh, of you know people slipping over banana peels and you know failing to get it out of the zone and then Besser's shot goes flubs through Lundqvist's glove and a late third period goal by Panarin wasn't enough. Um, or I should say it was like, it was early in the third, but you know, it was, it wasn't enough to kind of close the, the gap on Vancouver's three to two lead at the time. And that's how you end up with a team that's two and four after starting two and oh, is this team's weaknesses have really been put, you know, in the spotlight. They don't have the second line center. They don't have a cohesive defense. And the defensive pairs have been moving around a lot. Yeah, and, you know, uh, Panarin had a really interesting quote after the game where I'm looking it up right now. Uh, 
Where are you? Ah, here we go. Uh, our, it was from Panarin, and he said, We stopped playing nervous in the third period. We had nothing to lose. We were just going for it, trying to save the game, and everything started to work out better. Hmm. Why were they playing nervous in the first 40? Like... <laughs> <laughs> That's that was the question I was just about to ask you. Why? In, right? Like, why? In, this is a team out of they, out of their conference. It's a home game. Like, are, is there a pressure because of that they dropped three? Is it, you know, that they expected better of themselves? Like, what is? And I think that you you kind of see that on the ice, where especially in, in the defensive end, that they don't know which end is up. Like, you have guys who. Uh, Mark Stahl and Brendan Smith if Brendan Smith is playing defense I don't know what the hell he's trying to do who will take the puck and treat it like like a live grenade in 1917 where they just chuck it and pray to God that you have Truba who's trying to make outlet passes um, D'Angelo tries to rush out of the zone Adam Fox is doing the damnedest that, that, that he can but they just and I asked this question at, at the start of the the Canucks game. Mm. What exactly is Lindy Ruff's job? He was brought in to coach the defense under Vigneault. They kept him under Quinn to uh, ostensibly coach the defense and help Quinn adjust to the NHL. What is he doing? Because as someone who supported Quinn last year thinking that he was you know a rookie coach get, getting adjusted to, to the NHL that you know that there, there's going to be some bumps yeah going to be some bumps give the guy some leash yeah now I mentioned this the other day but I, don't, I haven't had my confidence in a coaching staff crater so much so quickly it's not just that they're a bad team we knew they were a bad team going in signing Panarin signing Truba is a are is are two good moves but we knew that this was going to the, the best we hoped for was a fun but bad team yeah and not it's fun. A developmental year yeah. yeah it's there if you but watch they're that, not fun right now yeah <laughs> and the i think that david quinn is over his head i think that he's trying to coach a, a, a team like he's trying to coach a college team He's used to a bunch of kids who have never, who are far from home, who are playing up against teenagers, you know, kids their own age. He's not used to dealing with adults in that in that situation. Yes, Capo Caco is 18 years old, but last year he was playing in the Finnish league against men. He knows how to do that, and you know, if you let him do that. If you give him the ice time, he will show you that he can do that. Pavel Buchnevich has been in this league for almost three years now. He is an adult human being. He is a grown-ass man. And being tough love on him isn't going to work. Bumping him down to the fourth line because of a bad shift or two when you need goals like someone needs water to, bre- to, to live... Yeah. is not going to work and the the accountability things where you know Brady Shea gets benched for half a for half a period 
and Mark Stahl continues to do whatever the hell it is Mark Stahl does, it's... I don't know. I... I'm yeah, it, it definitely rings of the kind of selective. Um, I'm the, trying to think of, like the best word for it. Like you know, if if we're talking about you know the mob throwing tomatoes at people who are in like you know the uh, what do you call it, Kev? We, the stockade. There you go. Yeah. And for whatever reason, like last season, it was Shattenkirk who found himself in the stockade, and you know it, it was often. And apparently, they, they had a great relationship. Dave, yeah, David Quinn yeah. and Kevin Shankirk <laughs> had a great relationship. Yeah, great one. Um, and it's for whatever reason, it's it's not Mark Stahl who ends up there. You know, it's not you know Brendan Smith. I think you know I mentioned he had a, a goofy, goofy play, and you know it's it's rough. It's it's been rough to watch, but I think this is just part of the growing pains. I I tend to I don't know. I, I tend to say that it. Quinn deserves leash, but there are a lot of things here that seem like more of a pattern than a guy who's kind of, uh, you know, feeling out what he's doing at the NHL level. The way he chooses to suddenly just, you know, bench Shea for half a period and, you know, take Buchnevich away, you know, from that top line and not even use him on the second line. And, uh, like, all those things definitely add up to question marks and i understand yeah. the people who are frustrated i do think it's premature to start you know calling for david quinn's job and i don't think that's going to happen anytime soon oh no no i i, I think that i will say this i think that is very pre- premature to call for his head yeah however i don't think that he he'll live out his contract with the team he has a five-year deal if now this is of course my son hyperbolic but if there's not a market improvement at the end of this season I could see him not coming back next year I mean potentially it depends really how how squirrely things get and what the realistic expectations were in the front office yeah the but then again a lot of the decisions with the roster thus far have been I don't know I don't think a team that was serious about trying to make a run for a playoff spot would would have just kind of thrown away Vlad Domestikov and the deal they they gave him up on. And but at the same time, do, do, does a team that that is fully rebuilding spend all that money on Panarin and Truba? Well, it's that's tough because a lot of it I think it's the opportunity, right? How often yeah. do you have the opportunity there specifically with Truba? Like the thing is you know, more or less what happened is, you know, this defense was subtracted, you know, subtracted Shattenkirk and, you know, Freddie Clayson and Neil Pionk, and it added Adam Fox and Jacob Truba. And what we're learning, you know, for, through the first six games of this season is this defense is just as much of a headache as last season's defense, even though I think Jacob Truba has looked great and he's been the best defenseman on the team by a mile. Which leads to a uh, logical conclusion. What's the common denominator between last year and this year? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty easy to, to look at the Lindy Ruff situation and ask those questions, especially because I feel like of all the, of all the things going on with the team, he was the guy who, you know, 
that's the hot seat in terms of the coaching staff, and especially because the Rangers have a pretty full coaching staff, and they have, you know, they have competent guys at the AHL level now too. And I mean, one needs only think of you know the home opener when you know they introduce the whole coaching staff, and it was just very quiet for Lindy Ruff, uh, yeah. very very quiet after it was they noticeably quiet. Yeah, and that is. You know, the, the I don't think the organization has ever really let things like that influence what they do, just because the Rangers are always going to sell tickets, yada, yada, yada. But that means it's going to have to fall on the organization to say, we have lost confidence in Lindy Ruff's ability to cultivate this young blue line. And really, that's the thing that is most important to me this year is, like I was just looking at this before the show, Kev, if I told you... <laughs> six games into the season that Jacob Truba's most frequent defensive partner at 5-on-5 would be Libor Hayek. You know, before the season began, if I told you that, you'd think, what would you think? You'd think I was, like, taking mescaline or something. Well, I think that something went horribly wrong. Yeah. (laughs) That's a good way to put it. It, Because all, all, you know, all preseason long, we heard Brady Shea, Jacob Truba. They know each other. They're buddies. They're both Minnesota boys. It's going to be great. And, uh, that is not at all the case, much like, you know, all the all the talk we heard about McDonough Shattenkirk, and then it, that also never really came to fruition. But the the way this blue line has, you know, has really given us, hey, it's Michael. been pretty uninspiring, I would say, is a good way to put it. Um, so, the, if, uh, uh, forgive me, but if I, if... Go ahead. Who do you think leads this team in uh, possession? Uh, Corsu for percentage right now. Among all the Among skaters? All, all the skaters. Oh, boy. Without looking it up. Yeah. I would just guess Panarin. I don't know. Adam Fox. Really? In 83 minutes of ice time, Adam Fox is the only positive uh, Corsi 4 player on the team. Well, that's encouraging. And also, I think for the most part, Fox has played with Shea since everything got uh, shaken up. Because the point I was just going to make is, you know, there's been zero surprise as to the Stahl and D'Angelo pairing and that it's been a mess in terms of... A tire fire? Yeah, what happens when they're on the ice together. And... That has been like, oh, okay. Is that really surprising? Not at all. And just for the record, Greg McKegg leads the team in uh, expected goals for percentage with a robust 60%. Well, there you go. I think in two, you know, games, two games of Greg McKegg. <laughs> the, fun, the, the joy of small sample sizes and sheltered minutes. But, yeah, that is, him, it is. Yes, for Frost. Yeah. The, like, when we talk about a lot of things that have been surprising. I think the thing that stands out to me is, you know, if we're talking five on five minutes, yeah, Leah Anderson is averaging seven minutes and 37 seconds through six games. And when you trade Nemestikov, when you start Heedle in Hartford, and you're giving Ryan Strom, you know, more ice time than Capo Caco and Chris Kreider, I mean, you have to start. You know, all, when the team, if the team was six and zero, I don't think people would be sweating as much about it. But it is, it's frustrating. You yeah, know? I mean, just the optics of you know, you, you announce a rebuild, 
2017, you trade off McDonough, Miller, Rick Nash, everyone basically. You 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 trade and then you trade off Zuccarello, Hayes. You you get that number two overall pick. It's Capo Caco. It is a gen, you know it's a franchise changing player, and you decide to play him with Brandon Lemieux. You decide to play him. You you, you play Jesper Fast more than Capo Caco. You don't put put him on power play one. It's it's it may not be the most important thing, but the optics of that are just so not good. There's nothing really to get. You know you, we should be excited about watching Capo Caco every night. Instead, we are just dreading how little time he he he. he he's going to get and you know that his watching him play the only chance he get he gets to play with nhl players is if there's a power play and it's it's concerning to us to say the least that is concerning kevin you know what's not concerning is this uh ad from one of our sponsors who i'm sure makes a quality product with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yes, whatever that product ad was, I'm. Uh, I would. It was delicious. I would. Uh, I would choke a man to death if they spoke poorly of that product. Here, uh, here. That they have my sword and shield. Until their eyes were bloodshot, and uh, I don't know, a death rattle whispered <laughs> across their lips. Anyway, you know, we we've talked a lot of negative, Kev. Um, yes. And this season, both you and I have been trying to keep a closer eye on what's going on in Hartford. And I think I want to talk nice things, Kevin. Uh, of course. You and I never get to talk this way. Normally, we just trade messages back and forth. I Igor Shosturkin had a shutout. Yes, you did. Good good things have happened in Hartford. Filipino, God bless his little soul, is He's doing very well. God. Yeah, the good things. Tell us about good things in Hartford, Kev. Oh, I'd love to. Uh, so yes, um, if you guys have been f- following along with my with the new weekly series of Pack Tactics, I've been watching, uh, sp- spending all my weekends watching uh, Hartford Wolfpack hockey, and it is a joy to behold. Um, in the off season, uh, JD, you know, we we all stress that you know Hartford has to be a priority. If you want to develop players, you got to have a farm system. JD basically put our our words to, to action, and he went forth to make Harford a priority. And in the early going, it looks like he's you know do, doing things right. Um, you can question the decision to send down Filipino and Vitaly Krasov to start the season. I'll, I'd argue that those two are the perfect test case for this Wolfpack experiment. Um, Heedle has Heedle doesn't belong in the AHL. He I, I would be shocked if he's not up at the end of this week. 
Um, he had six shots uh, two nights ago in uh, Binghamton. He had eight shots the weekend prior. He's got uh, eight points in seven games for the Wolfpack. Uh, everything he's been doing, you know, everything he touches, it has been phenomenal. Uh, he looks so much better uh, carrying the puck. He looks um, much more confident in his play. He's leading rushes. Um, he's also much more responsible uh, in his own end now. Um, every challenge you could want for Filipino, he's answered, I think, in full. Uh, especially if they want him to be a, a center in the NHL. I think he, he is right now the... He's the two C in the Rangers for, for for the Rangers right now. He is yeah. Whether no or not he's there mind. yet, yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, I well, mentioned it's... this earlier that you know whoever's playing two C right now is a space holder. He, he they are keep they are keeping his seat warm. Yeah, the thing with Hedl is he his points in his last five games, um, and the thing about Hartford is they haven't actually lost in regulation yet. So they have only. Yeah, their only loss, I think, was what is it, shootout or OT? I think it was shootout. It was a shootout loss. Yeah. Yeah. So forgive me. Uh, Hedl has eight points in six games, so even better. Three goals, five assists. One goal was an empty netter, but yeah. So it's. I mean, he has twenty shots in six games played. Yeah, that was the thing. Is when he was sent down. You know, people were saying, you know, how good is he going to be? And really, it's you want him to just kind of kick ass because two seasons ago, I think he was. Like a thirty point and forty game guy, like he was really yeah, he solid. Got, and of course, yeah. he had thirty one and forty six. Okay, yeah. So, like seeing him on top of you know Hartford's you know scoring leaders is very encouraging. Um, the thing that I also find really encouraging is like like I had mentioned, Shesterkin shutout was it wasn't a nineteen save shutout. It was a thirty six save shutout, which yeah. is. In a one to nothing game, and that's the sort of thing that, you know, as frustrating as the Rangers have been, what Heedle and Chesterkin have been able to do is something to get excited about. Yeah, and it's not just that, you know, it was a 35 save shutout. It was the first time that, that Harford really got under siege. Uh, they, they came out they came out of the gate flat, and uh, Chesterkin kept them in the game for the entirety of it, and that's what you, what you want to see. Uh, this is my first time really watching him play, aside from Alex's gifts and highlights of him. Yeah. And I'm I'm not used to watching a goalie move as much as Shesterkin does. Um, you know, because Hank is basically a, a statue in net. Yeah. That, you know, he, he just plays outweights from. everyone. Yeah. Exactly. And this is a very unfair thing I'm gonna say, but watching him, it's like you you have the the com- the composure and the control of Hank, you know, deep in his net, with the fast, the uh, fast twitch, you know, athleticism of like a a John Quick or a Mike Richter. Uh, his legs are so quick, and he doesn't lose himself. Like it's like he he has like this like a rubber band attached to to the back of the net. Every time he goes out, he pops right back in, and he's yeah. always in position. He's been phenomenal i mean there, there's no uh, other word for it um and you know the i think the kind of elephant in the room though is crafts mm. and um you know 
there is a lot of consternation about Krasov not being in the NHL, and I've been trying to basically preach patience. Patience, excuse me. Um, I think that him having a good training camp is akin to it. It stems from him playing against other AHLers in a not really structured format. Yeah. Um, because though that first game he played in the AHL, he looked like he was lost, and he was yeah he did he definitely system. had a quiet first game yeah. yeah and you know and that and then it gets healthy scratched and then but it was how he responded to everything. Um, in fact, in the last game against uh, the Devils, uh, Binghamton Binghamton De- Devils that is, he uh, he ha- had a turnover, bad turnover in the slot that uh, that that led to to the second Devils goal, and Knobloch benched him. Uh, he benched him for, for the last half of the first period. I thought that was a bit excessive. You know, I'd rather him miss like a shift or two and then get back out there. But he comes back out and he you you can see that that there is a process there, and that you know he doesn't have he has one assist. He uh, I would like him to get get his his shot off more. Um, but I think that's attributed to how he's been, uh, what what line he's been on. Uh, but he, there, there is a process, and you can see that every game he looks better in a different aspect of the game, and it's coming. Uh, it won't be, you know, next week. It won't be in a couple of weeks. Probably by Christmas. I think that you know, once he gets more comfortable, once he's playing more, getting his shot off, he'll start p- picking up the points, and uh, and and he'll be great i have no doubt in my mind that that there is a top six nhler there there's just he's just not there yet um but just to take a deep breath everyone relax it's a process you know it i know it's hard because there's not really a lot of updates from hartford they practice every day during the week but you know there's no real media in it, for covering the wolf pack they play on and the their weekends. schedule's been just as goofy as the rangers they've also only played six games yeah I, well that, that's kind of standard for the ahl because they do play yeah, mostly yeah. on weekends because they're traveling and whatnot but you know it's it, it'll come it, it'll be there and when he's ready uh he'll be up here um the thing <laughs> is though is that do we want him up here with how the forwards are being deployed right now which is my other yeah thing. that would be much like Heedle, it's like, you know, if Heedle's up here to be the 2C, then by all means bring, it up, bring him up. But if he's here to be a fourth-line winger, yeah. then he's probably best served as the 1C in Hartford. I thought this would be a good opportunity, Kevin, to mention a bit of news that happened, um, which is Ryan Gropp. Uh, oh, yeah. Was, you know, he finished really on what was Hartford's top line last season with uh, Stephen Fogarty. And uh, I think it was I think it was Letary. That yeah. was essentially what the top line was. And uh, Grop was sent down uh, to the ECHL uh, to the Maine Mariners, the Rangers affiliate in the ECHL. He didn't report, and so Hartford suspended him. Um, yeah. and I, I haven't seen a- a- any other developments from that. I believe nor he's still I, suspended. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just I mean, he played one game. Uh, and he looked... Same is true of Billy Meskinen, by the way. Meskinen, who was a top six guy like all year last year, has played yeah. one game for Hartford. And I think that kind of speaks to the talent that the uh, that the or- 
or organization brought in. Uh, you know, they're playing guys like uh, D- Danny O'Regan, Matt uh, Matt Bolesky, uh, uh Phil DiGiuseppe, all, who's yeah, becoming a, a Phil, goal yeah, Phil DiGiuseppe is just feasting off of uh, Filipino, um, which isn't a a a knock on his play. He's been really good, yeah. but you know. There wasn't. I, I don't think there's a lot of space for. Uh, there, there. For, when it comes to Meskinen, I think that he is a good player who can plug into a to a skill role, and and you won't be you won't have any issues. When it comes to Grop, he, the only game he played in, I, I I attributed it at first to Russ, but he just looked lost. Like he was. He's always was, been like when I watched Hartford a little more closely last season. To me, he Gromp is a very strong example of a guy who has that one thing that kind of keeps him sticking around, and that, of course, is his shot. Oh, I but, thought that you 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 were going to say uh, Matt Barzal, but go ahead, Mike. <laughs> that that would that also helps a little bit, right? The thing with with Gromp is. I f- like if you think about what happened with this this Wolfpack roster. Essentially, it, it improved so much. It was like a wholesale like a wholesale change because the biggest subtraction really was John Gilmore, and that was like a question I kind of had leading into the season. Kevin was yeah, you know, how much is this team going to feel the departure of a, a D man who scored twenty goals? It's crazy to think of how much offense came from John Gilmore's stick, but which is also I mean, k- kind of an indictment on the rest of the team yeah but the other thing is like credit where it's due for the rest of like the way the roster was rebuilt and like they spent a little bit of money they went after guys who they knew were very good like daniel regan's been great oh yeah Um, definitely you know letary is not an nhl guy uh but he is a hard you know he's an ahl stud and you know that's perfectly fine because i think it's great to have like you said, Di Giuseppe has been feasting off of Heedle. I think it's great to have a handful of those guys who are those AHL kind of veterans who, one, you can call up to play in your bottom six in case someone gets hurt in the NHL, but two, they're guys who will kick ass for those, you know, the kids to play around. Yeah. And whatever the, the formula was to put this team together, it definitely is working in terms and, of, you know, what the record looks like. I've also been really encouraged by... I didn't expect Joey Keane to look this good out of the gate, because um, he was a prospect where I was like, "Oh, you know what? No one's talking about Joey Keane anymore." And you know, I I thought he was interesting, but you know, he came out of the gate blasting. I think he's up to three goals now, which yes, is just he has three goals. Fun. Joey Keane so far has been an adventure, and I mean that in the best way possible, um, yeah. because he, you can see that that he's still learning the the game the 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 pro game um but damn it the, if he doesn't try um he's not the <laughs> biggest guy out there he's not he's not the most physical but and his skating is going to get him out of a lot of sticky sit, uh, sit situations but it's yeah, also yeah. going to get him into a lot of sticky sit, uh, situations like there is a, a a moment against uh Springfield on sad on Friday night where he did like one of those Scott Gomez uh walkabouts in the offensive zone uh oh, then yeah. tried to I remember those yeah then then he tried to you know pass the puck over uh it hit a Springfield uh skate and then they went down the other way and Sh- Shesterkin had to make a save on a breakaway but 
he's been noticeable in both his ups and downs but when he he's trying to to move the puck in the right direction and that's what i care about as long as he's trying to do the right thing then he can make mistakes all he wants um however uh on in a similar vein sean day Mm. um sean day has all the tools you look at him he has the size the skating the 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 shot you know he had that wonderful ot goal to open the year against uh uh, bridgeport but it's just the the, there are the tools but there's no toolbox and i don't i i'm a little disheartened by how he started the season um because I expected him to jump up and be the bona fide one D in Hartford, and well, he had now, a real opportunity there because, he did. like, there was a vacuum with the departure of Gilmore, and you know, Day was a guy who spent some time in the ECHL last season. He was yo-yoed around a bit, and he went from a guy who was like, "Man, this is a really fun prospect the Rangers have," to kind of getting lost in the mix and then slowly reestablishing himself a little bit last season. And like you said, there was a huge opportunity for him here this yeah, year. And, and he's been slow out of the gate, I think, is a, a, a nice way to put it. Yeah, and I think uh, on the other end of that, though, Ryan Lindgren has looked really, really good. Um, I was concerned a bit that, that he was too one-dimensional to quote-unquote old school. But yeah. his his skating has been really good. He's been making good reads in the in both ends. Uh, he hasn't tried to play beyond his means, if that makes sense. Uh, he's also had uh, some help from his defensive partner, uh, uh, Vincent Laverde, and it's kind of yeah, annoying. veteran guy. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of annoying that uh, that they played together because Laverde wears five and Lindgren wears fifty five, so that like messes with my head a bit. Um, who has Keen been playing with the most? Uh, Mason Geertsen. Yeah. Who? Which it, probably doesn't do him any favors. Uh, no. From what oh, we saw no, 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 no. Uh, yeah. uh, Geertsen has been um, less than ideal. Uh, I'd like to. See I was very, players. I was very surprised he stuck around in training camp with the Rangers as long as he did. But I'm sure it's just because they want an extended look before they gave him you know the the ahl level deal in hartford from you know jury is the gm there but yeah he's definitely like the guy but he's probably like you know the defensive michael haley i guess the guy the guy down there to protect everyone and yeah. get pummeled in shots and whatnot um yeah, yeah. on the you know uh, an underrated guy who's down here you know another one of those ahl guys a, a good ahl skill guys has been Darren Radish, um, he's you know anchored down the the the, the bottom pair, uh, you know swinging between, really bouncing between all the uh, the uh, defensemen, the uh, young the young the younger defensemen, j- just just to lend a hand and whatnot, and he's been good at mo- at, mo- at moving the puck up the ice. Hmm. Yeah, he was a is as interested with with radish because of what he could have represent to hartford um especially because he became more intriguing to me after the rangers just chose not to qualify chris begress yeah um you know in the offseason they just let him walk as a ufa the same was true of rob o'gara and oh my boy o'gara 
Yeah, remember Rob O'Gara? Um, <laughs> Tiberius O'Gara! Yeah, um, like, Radish is interesting to me. Like, he's never going to be in NHL or anything. But no. the having some depth there on that blue line, I think, is very, very good for a team that has Igor Shesterkin and Adam Huska. Like, this is, you know, a team that's transitioning away from, you know, the Rangers essentially had no idea what to do with goaltending in Hartford to the point where they signed Merrick Mazinek. Yeah. Um, and then they extended him to a year. And then, hysterically, they were able to trade him for a seventh-round <laughs> pick. But, uh, which, yeah, like, the fact the Rangers got anything for Mazinek and Cody McLeod is still, in my opinion, Bottles up there with... Yeah, greatest hits for for Gordon. Unfortunately, not not a big return. But when you think about what they, uh, the price that they gave up, it was pretty good. But it's uh, I'm very interested to see what Nick Ebert does in terms of fitting into that blue line. Um, uh, yeah, because I wouldn't be. He of course be was the draws in. Yeah, because he of course was the you know he was the asset essentially that they got back for Vlad Domestikov. And yeah, uh, when Adam and I talked about Ebert, you know, you look at what he did overseas and. You know, he's a guy who did produce in the SHL. So, you know, that should translate to him yeah. being able to produce in the AHL. There's something there, definitely. Yeah, he, he again, he's not an NHL defenseman. You know, maybe, who knows, maybe he could become, you know, a 7th D. But, you know, this is a guy who, you he's know... He's good to, had, to a bolster the ranks. Yeah, he's... Exactly. And for whatever reason, that's the trade the Rangers decide to make. And it'll... If nothing else, it'll hopefully make Hartford even a little bit better. Yeah. But you know what, Kev? I don't know. Did you want to touch on anything else before well, I read some names of patrons? Actually, yeah. Uh, bef- before we leave Hartford, I do want to sh- uh, give some uh, love to Boone Eves. Dude should be the, the, the 4C for the Rangers. I mean, he has... You don't have to tell me. I've been in the Booney Evis fan club since day one. Knobloch put 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 together a line of it was Fontaine, Nieves, and Steve Fogarty, and they just run everyone. They they are they that is a line that is like reminiscent of that old Zuccarello Brassard Pouliot third line where you throw them out there they're going to get the puck from the defensive zone to the offensive zone lead a lead a trail of bodies in their wake and then they're going to let they're, they're going to establish it there and let and let and let the skill skill guys do the work Nieves should be on that fourth line for the Rangers he should be right next to I think that he'd be good with I don't know a Jesus Christ! The Rangers don't have any good butt bombs. Jesper, yeah, Jesper. Well, he, he's on he's on the top line now, but yeah, uh, <laughs> he is on the top line now. Yeah. Uh, hey, he had yeah. a great pass to Panarin. He I'll, did. T- I'll yes. say that. Yes, yeah. he did. Uh, but yeah, like, you know, I got, I got, I got like, like Jesper fast. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with Jesper fast. He's just not a top. He's not a top line winger. Not a top no. six winger. But I think that he just works put, his ass off, and that's why everyone loves him. Yeah. So. If, if you put uh, Nieves and Fast together. And then, you know, fill in who you want on, on the other side of that. Maybe Howden, maybe McKeg. That's a good fourth line there. And I just think that Nieves needs, needs some more love. As, is, as does Tim uh, Gettinger. He's been great as well. Yeah, I'm big on Tim Gettinger. I just uh, I love I, that he's I see what you as big there. as he is and moves like he can. All right, patron time. 
Yep. All right. Here we go. Uh, special thanks to our patrons. Let's see if I butcher any names this week. Adam Nahoek, Aiden Gaspar, Alex Gardner, Amriel Kusner, Andre Chicagov, Anthony Viola, Arch Williams, Bob Kawa, Bobby Callan, Captain America, taking a break from the Avengers movies, Chris Avivi, Chris Lucas, Chris O'Connor, Clark Carroll. Clark Carroll, you're a new patron. I'm not trying to offend you. Your name doesn't sound real. Uh, you sound like your your name comes from it, Nick at Night or something. And I, I mean that in the nicest way. Thank you, Clark. I don't know why I chose to uh, insult you. That was unnecessary. I'm very I, glad I know that you're reading uh, these names and not Joe. And Joe yeah. never does. Clark, uh, I'll say this. I don't like myself. So the fact that I chose to attack your name only is a credit to you. And I apologize to you and your ancestors. I wish nothing but the best for you. I wish for you to drink from the skulls of your enemies on a throne made of bones. Craig Lachlan, Dan Carozzi, Dan Zapor, Daniel DeGen, Danny Santiago, David Elsinger, Eric Cohn, Eric Carlson, Fancy Lawrence, Gabriel Vargas, George Littman, Igor Slavsky, James Dangles, Jeffrey Stein, Jermaine Francis, John Reppy, Johnny Lowe, Jordan Sassoon, Joshua Zarkin, Keith Rancillo, Manny from SC, Matt from Brooklyn, Michael Canick, Michael Marcus, Michael Scott, Michael Silvers, Panera in 2020, Patrick Landolt, Sammy Vogel-Seidenberg, Sean Taggart, another new guy, Stephanie Benvengo, Stieg Bjolbach. I Stieg, I, I'm never going to get your name right, and that's largely because I'm an uneducated American. Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Rob, The Tin Man, Thomas Osa, Toy from Manhattan, Trevor Kempner, and WMM339, my favorite Star Wars droid. Thank you for joining us, Kev. Kev's going to be here for our uh, Off the Post as well. Yes, I am. So, I don't think we have too many questions, but uh, you, you folks still have to wait a full day to listen to it. Toodaloo. Bye-bye.